It is literally the best quote I've ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Welcome back, Underground. We are here for a second week in talking about what is a microchurch within the framework of the Kansas City Underground. Again, this is not a blanket statement across the board for microchurches everywhere. We're just saying these are the things that we have found helpful as we understand the church, as we understand microchurch within this framework that we're aiming for of saturating Kansas City with the beauty, justice, and good news of Jesus. And a microchurch is the form of church that houses the disciple-making movement that we want to see happen Mm -hmm. in this city. And so... Tiny, tiny steeples. <laughs> and yes, Rob is back with us. <laughs> Rob Wagner, ladies tiny, and gentlemen. Tiny so uh, last week... Hey, you crushed my microchurch! <laughs> I'll crush your spirit in a minute. So last week we How really... How many Red Bulls have you had today already, Rob? I'm dragging today, actually. Last week we got into um, a lot of the ideas around the oikos and uh, the Christology that leads to missiology. I don't really even think we talked much about missiology. No, we didn't hit it at all. Yeah. Well, well, we did actually. We a did the TV show stuff. A little bit, yeah. yes, yes. We talked a lot about. Yeah, whatever. we were all over. I was the about place. to say real, real housewives of whatever, but at, you should go back and listen to the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. Any idea what we're talking about? At the end of the day, uh, what is important is that we say that. Well, that man, that sounded very arrogant. What is important <laughs> is that we say. <laughs> what is important for us that we believe is that church is an identity, not an activity. Yeah. It's a people, not a place. Like we have all these catchy little sayings. Uh, if you ask my kids, are we going to church today? They will say, you can't go to something, something that you are. Uh, it's so important to uh, create a new paradigm around that. And so, man, whenever I'm explaining microchurch to people or our thoughts behind it, I always say those little sayings right there. And, you know, I give our definition of a microchurch as an extended spiritual family. And I always say, period, because it's about identity. Does that mean we don't do anything? No, we do things. We definitely do things. If you describe your family, you don't talk about Tuesday night that you have pizza, that half your family likes it and half of them don't. You talk about the people. You talk about the things they love. And eventually you get to the things that you do. So it's important to talk about the things that you do, just not first. Yeah, uh, and so today we're going to talk a little bit more about like, how do we know, like, like what gives us confidence that a microchurch has emerged among mm. a pocket of people? Mm. Well, one, mm. new disciples have been made. Boom. All right. Wait, so, quick, quick reference. Missionary pathway. Missionary pathway. It's five phases in a journey. What are those, Corey? Why do they matter? Well, thanks, Rob, for asking. <laughs> One, extraordinary prayer and fasting. Prayer movements always precede disciple-making movements. Two, living as a missionary. How to join God in the places he's already at work. Scratch the itch in the name of Jesus. Find persons of peace. Live on mission. Boom, we plant the gospel. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for us to plant the gospel? We would begin to make disciples from the ground up. They discover and obey. They hear and obey the word of God. They share it with others. And as new disciples are being made, the church, the church emerges. emerges. Yes. And that is where this identity conversation, is, particularly in an American context, I like to zoom in on that, yeah. is, is because it's like, it's not like we're even necessarily doing a ton of different things than we were doing a couple weeks weeks ago. Now we're following Jesus. We've uh, the language we used last week. We're shifting our allegiance. We've changed our allegiance. Now we're on the lordship of Jesus, and there's this spiritual family 
Mm-hmm. Right? We're living in these rhythms. We're loving each other. We're continually every day walking in obedience to Jesus. Uh, last step, by the way, is multiplication on every level. Don't want to forget that. It's also built in from the beginning. It is. Look at that. Uh, and so, yeah. So, I mean, but as we talk about microchurch, if we put it in the context of the missionary pathway, then it might be easier to see it as identity. Totally. And that that's why for us, we will hit the gong or the buzzer if you say, hey, I planted a microchurch. Yeah. And, it, and it's not that we want to be Nazis about language, but language actually does matter because most people, when they're thinking, I get asked this by church leaders a lot, like, how do you guys plant microchurches? And I go, I always say, we don't. Because mm-hmm. most of the time, what they're asking is, "How did you start a meeting in a house somewhere?" Yep. Yeah. How did you right. get your Bible study going? So now, instead of the big weekend service being the organizing principle, it's like we were going to have a little service in a room with someone in charge. Tiny <laughs> steeple, sometimes <laughs> a tiny yeah. meeting. So wait, we did the same thing, but smaller. Yeah. And that Got is it. in this in the microchurch stock is rising. And one yeah. genuine concern, not not trying to be arrogant or mean or <laughs> looking down on anyone, yeah. but if you see microchurch just as a strategy to do smaller meetings, you are really missing the point. Yep, it's it's not what this is about. Which is why we hit the family piece so hard. Family mm-hmm. identity, family run everything through the 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 metaphor of a family: spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual sons and daughters, spiritual brothers and sisters. When we have fights, how do we deal with it? How does your family deal with it? It might be unhealthy. Let's talk about you know mm-hmm. a better way to deal with it. You know how how do I learn to do something within a family? Who teaches? Who coaches? Who equips? You know, and we want to see our kids mature and go start their own new family. So the same thing for microchurch. Yeah. Always run through the metaphor of family. Yeah. But families do things. They do things. Um, so I want to read a quote, um, partly to just try to put words to the gray area of like, well, what does that mean then? You know, like disciples are being made. What does that even mean? So we want to steal from our friends uh, in Tampa. Uh, the Tampa Underground. And this is whoop, whoop. this is uh, Brian Sanders' quote from the book Microchurch. <clears throat> he says, If you strip everything away that is not essential to being a church, what are you left with? In the Underground, the answer we decided was worship, community, and mission. When Christians work together in sincere worship and genuine community to accomplish the part of God's mission, they function as the church. Worship, community, and mission, then, are the basic elements. The church can include more elements, but not fewer. What makes a group of people a church is that they worship together, are committed to each other, and undertake the mission together. Whatever those three things, whenever those three things overlap, that is the church. Hmm. Right, Rob? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Before we go too far down in dissecting all of those pieces, and what do we mean by worship? What do we mean by community? What do we mean by mission? One of the things he says in that quote is not less than. Yeah. Uh, we still value when believers get together and study scripture and share a meal together. Oh, it's central. The table, the word, the meal is central. We're just saying they should be on mission to multiply disciples. Like that's when the family has like mm. fully emerged. Mm. Um, or if a group of followers of Jesus are like, man, we are going to address hunger needs in this city. 
and they get together five nights a week and just make meals for people. They're like, that's beautiful. That's some amazing missional activity. We love it. But a family would also eat together, mm-hmm. and they would also go to Jesus together and say, you know, you, you are amazing. We worship you. We see your beauty. We Like, we come together and lift our praise to you. We're just saying, like, there you can have these pieces, and it's beautiful things, but we want to value, like, the holistic um, coming together of these things to say, like, a family is functioning in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. We're not saying the family's not there. We're not saying that we're not each a part of the church when we're on our own. We're just saying a family is functioning in healthy ways when we see these things happening. Yeah, that's really good. I think I mentioned this in a podcast before, but like I think that's why this whole gray area even of trying to identify when worship community missions happening, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. Like I look at all these 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 movements globally and it is very interesting to see how differently they define church as when they're trying to just like count how many new churches emerge in a movement like oh well, what do you define as a church well and different kind of catalytic, catalytic leaders might that's a hard one so um so yeah i think i mentioned before but i can't remember because who knows but you know certain ones will say okay this many uh baptized believers or this group is when they self-identify as a church, or you know, and it's super interesting to me because I think a lot of ways they're a lot of the ones that are in the more gray area. They're basically saying what we're saying. It's like when they're functioning like it, when like Jesus yeah. is Lord and they're beginning to you know be together in these ways. Then we just you know self-identify as a church. Boom. So yeah. I think for us in a in a country in a society where you know that's like it's always about what you do and what you don't do and try to wrap our minds around this and that just for us to simply validate this group as a church and give them help ground that identity uh, is something that is like i think has staying power mm-hmm. you know what i mean like to be able to identify as a family so we talked about that a couple podcasts ago but mm-hmm. i think that's that's something big for me so when i think of worship community mission like that to me is really compelling to be like, okay, if that exists, if those exist, then we have the we have the identifier. Like the foundation is set. Does that mean that we'll never grow into other, like forms. a more robust of yeah. that or uh, forms of that or doing activities within that? No, but I just I love the simplicity that allows for us to validate. Yes, that's church. Yeah, use minimal ecclesiology. Yeah, we're just saying you don't have to have more than that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but you, again, you, you don't have, you can hear more of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you jump in, Rob, with uh, jumping in with worship and we can kind of work through like, what do we mean yeah. by these? Like, again, I think what's helpful is we're saying these are when we look back and we know that the church is immersed. These are clearly indicators that we see like across the yeah. board. It's like, oh, we well, look they're, they're worshiping. Mm-hmm. They're worshiping together. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And man, look at this rich community together with this group of people. And mm-hmm. man, they are on mission yeah. together. Like, we just identify those. Yeah. Can I can I unpack like a, a real quickly before we go into yeah, that, Rob? Because sure. it'll actually probably catapult into what you're saying. Is uh, we talk about share the hope network a lot, um, and I just want to describe what happened last Saturday. 
Just wow. like every other Saturday. Drop it. <laughs> but this Saturday was, it started off with, you know, 30 of us hanging out, a bunch of new followers of Jesus in the last few months. People have come out of jail, lots of other things. And so the person in charge of kind of the worship piece, we kind of even split it up. So as we're uh, raising up leaders, we all even ask, hey, can you own this piece and own this piece? And and so what they did is that there's a couple YouTube videos of some worship music that they put on the screen. And we're just like singing so many people singing off key it was awesome if I, I it felt great for me because i'm a horrible singer um but like so that was like we, we that was kind of in one sense a typical quote-unquote worship but you know all i did was play youtube videos and it was awesome all right so then uh we do our what we always call check-in times and it's really just the fellowship man what's god teaching you what are you struggling with and we always put people in the middle and we pray and it's just like tears and it's significant um, and then we always do it a scripture discovery piece. So we had someone who uh, started following Jesus a couple months ago share uh, testimony, basically. Like, and that was, this is kind of part of the worship section, too, but just like began to share the story of how God's starting to grip his heart. And then with one of our leaders who I met originally in jail, who he was leading. He's the one who told me once he thinks 100, 100 people came to know Jesus in his discovery groups throughout the wow. year that he was there. Wow. And he was a brand new you know, follower of Jesus at that point. Now he's been out for a year and a half, two years, and he is sitting next to the guy. And he is like, okay, so what, what, what's next? What's next, John? And John begins to go through some of the discovery questions that we use, and he forgets something. And, and you know, my friend who is, I met in jail leans in and is like, okay, now ask this. So it's like, so now this person's asking the discovery scripture questions, and we're beginning to talk about what this means for our lives. And so present even in that gathering is clear worship, mm-hmm. music, testimony, clear community, like we are, we're sharing our stories. We're praying for one another. Uh, mission. We're talking about how God is reaching people in their, you know, those networks. And John was the guy. He was a direct result of one of our guys who works with them, right? And uh, and so in in scripture time together. So I mean, I just want like that. Yes. It was. It's yes. not like we have an order of service. It's not like it has to look like this, this, and this every time. But it's just worship community mission is so thick. And all yeah. of those things, and, and it's identified. And it's not limited to your gathering. That's what I was going to say. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, you guys yes, are like yeah. a gang. On you guys this are both show. leaning yeah. on that. I knew I you were about yeah, to yeah. go. We're there. both over here, like it's not just that one meeting right. where those three things take place. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome that all three took place. Right. But you do. You when you gather, the goal is like to stoke the coals of those fire, those three yeah. coals. Absolutely. Like, <sighs> Absolutely. Right, which are the heart of this family. You know. Yeah, I love and, it. And so, with that, to to kind of uh, pass off to to you, Rob, to because you you kind of use this language where a microchurch essentially kind of falls under three things, or kind of functions in three three ways. One is uh, like a um, an apprenticeship network. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, and you kind of talk about what that looks like in terms of worship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the second one was like a care network. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like as far as community? And the third one being like a mission base. How is it sending off missionaries? So I'd love to just hear some of your thoughts. You can go all three or just one at a time, and we can talk about them. But like, okay. and through the through that lens, those, those three kind of descriptions. Cool. Well, worship. Typically, we know a community is worshiping when they do three songs in a row, <laughs> and they're all in the key of E. Hey, and you can you can. You can seamlessly transition between the songs. That's when we know they got worship. I was going to make a similar joke. You just it's, beat me to it right away. I, just as a worship leader, it is far easier to stay in one key it and is. to keep 
to keep the uh, emotional uh, temperature high. Uh, By the way, we love to sing. We're not trash. I know you guys are total like musicians in that sense, but we when church people hear worship, they think singing songs. They do. They do, and that's why we're just teasing a little bit because we're talking about uh, Romans twelve, where it says, you know, present yourselves as living sacrifices, which again is this really cool flip because. You know, a sacrifice is something that's actually dead. You know, so Paul is basically saying, present your body living and breathing. Present your mind thinking and active. Present your heart and soul, all of you, to Jesus. And so worship is fundamentally moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of life. Mm, That's a reframing. That's what worship is. Yeah. So your whole life is worship so right now all of us there's some areas where we may be close to fully surrendered and we're you know and only jesus knows but it's like hey i'm on like at a scale of 10 i'm on nine my worship level is on nine you know but then there's other areas where it's like oh man i'm still operating out of unbelief and there's an idol and so we're all on that journey and that's why we use the um this analogy of apprenticeship network i have a a friend who had a lot of aptitude in woodwork and then went into, it was a non-union shop, carpentry, and it was an apprenticeship network. You know, there were guys there who'd been doing stuff for 40 years and he's 22 years old. And he's learning how to make these high-end cabinets that are going to the homes of millionaires. And then this other guy does, you know, something completely different. Now, if I knew anything about woodwork, I'd be able to name what those other things are, but I don't. You know, but over a process of time in this community, the different carpenters are mediating different skills to him. Yeah. And now he actually runs his own crew. You yeah. know, and and the same thing's happening again. That's what the church is. So worship is being in a community where other people are mediating Jesus to you. Mm. You Ooh, know. Yeah. And I, and I can see in this person uh, I'm a very uh, tempestuous kind of person. I, I'm very passionate. Like, so there's people I can look at, and they're calm, they're patient, they're um, discerning. I tend to respond. And it's like, oh, watch Jesus come through them that way. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, I need that. There's other people that, uh, you know, I'm very achievement-oriented. There's other people you can tell achievement doesn't matter to them at all. Three on the Enneagram. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. And they literally just value the person and the moment because that person in that moment has value. Mm. And it just, it's, so what happens is we need to have an apprenticeship network where we're watching other people move from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of life. So it has to be intimate enough and proximate enough to where I can actually see it and experience it. And it rubs, uh, diatribo, I think is the word that Mm -hmm. says that Jesus basically diatribode his disciples in other words it's like he rubbed off on them yeah you know and so that again is one of the reasons we believe in micro so powerfully like for all of us to fixate on one or two people that are teaching and telling their stories in their life that person can only mediate the smallest piece of jesus Mm -hmm. you know so i need a a community of like 20 to 70 yep you know that i can really know and see into their life yep and mediate it you know, and, and vice versa. Like, I'm going to mediate Jesus to them in ways they don't see. So worship can include music, praise God, but fundamentally it's about moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus inside of a community where we are mediating Jesus and apprenticing each other in all of life. 
And then I would add on to that just from a practical. So that's like the overarching, like this is overarching foundational, whatever this is that, that is the root of it when it comes to expression. Like, you know, people ask us all the time, like, how do we worship? Because we don't have a guitar and you don't have to have a guitar to worship. First off, this is why, because it's about moving from unbelief to belief. Secondarily, when you want to express your praise to God, when you want to lament, that's something that we don't actually do a whole lot of. That's like a part of this holistic view of worship. Um, when there's so many forms, you know, just of what that means of sitting in silence and just being together. Like, anyway, I just wanted to come from the other side of like expression wise, there's so many ways to do it. I'm teaching my kids to praise God through just being thankful for things. Mm -hmm. They're Mm -hmm. learning very early on. I'm thankful for this. And when they say thank you, eventually it's like, you know, like we need to thank God for this because he's the one that provides it. And they're learning like, oh, this thankfulness, this gratitude that I'm I'm bringing my, my praise to the God who provides these things. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, I think I, I don't want to devalue that. No, like, no I don't. God's people, they, they do have more formal ways of worshiping. It's really, really important. Totally. I don't I wasn't trying to like guys, stop fighting. I know. Right. No. Stop fighting. Okay. Well, we did we supporting you guys, each other. Wait, it was what three or four weeks ago in equipping gathering where someone pitched that question. What are the various ways you worship? And we were talking about actually these more formal shared ways mm-hmm. like you talked about. Yeah. And uh, it was like Pat and Carrie talked about he's he's got telescopes mm-hmm. and they went out and looked at the stars together and the wonder and the magnitude of what God's created. See, you don't have to sing. You can go look at stars. Yeah. And even nerds can be great missionaries. Worshiping together. <laughs> exactly. Slam poetry. Pat, Pat you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you listen to these? No, I mean, what's the first question, by the way, in a Discovery Bible study in that first section? You mean, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what are you thankful, what are you thankful for? for? And often the reason why we say if you just do a Discovery Bible study and you kind of have the foundational pieces that can become more robust for like church is because you are instilling worship and praise with that question alone. I mean, that is a very non-spiritual way of saying what is like, what's God doing in your life? How can you give him praise? Mm -hmm. So just like embedding that thankfulness and yeah, it's, it's, it's really effective. All right. So let's jump to, um, worship community. So the second, I got one more thing on that. Oh, bring it. I will be quiet. Uh, I think when we think of discipleship and apprenticeship, we think of one-on-one oh, discipleship, good point. and uh, not that we can't see those realities in a one-on-one relationship, but the same reason why me just sitting and watching Rob Wagner on a stage is not enough for all this to rub off is the reason why one-on-one discipleship is only, it, it can't be the full extent of when we say discipleship, right? That's why within a microchurch setting, a family setting, you're going to actually have this constant culture of apprenticeship in that sense, right? Well said. Jesus didn't do one-on-one discipleship. He had conversations with people because everybody brings yeah. up Nicodemus immediately. What about that? It's like, well, Nicodemus wasn't like in his life. He had a conversation with him. You can't count every conversation you have with somebody as discipleship. Yeah. It's like the disciple making happened with the three and the twelve and the seventy-two as yeah. as primary, and so like we don't see a place where, I mean, again, Jesus got away with Peter, you know, after he's resurrected, but it's like overall, totally, <laughs> primarily 
the smallest level at which Jesus says disciple making is with a three. Yeah. We're just so individualistic. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. It's like, I always joke about like why we love the story of like the Philip and, and evangelism with the eunuch, because it's exactly how we do it. Right. Yeah. We meet some guy, they, we tell him about Jesus and boom, we're out of there. We have to never have to talk to him again. Right. Like we, we love, <laughs> we love Out. that sort of thing. It's this individualistic idea. I think it's the same thing with, with yeah. discipleship yeah. And, and don't get us wrong. Like, mentorship is a real thing one-on-one relationship yeah, yeah, those yeah, are like real totally. things we're yeah. not we're just saying don't when you hear discipleship and you immediately think of sitting at a coffee shop one-on-one with someone we're just saying Taking them it's a Bible more story. robust than that it's why true. do i always use that word robust but it's so it's so much bigger than just that one-on-one relationship okay. so i just wanted to touch on that real quick all right well, it's good i'd like to talk to you one-on-one about that later. <laughs> <laughs> let's jump to uh micro church is a care network so this is kind of language we put I'm around still cracking myself up. <laughs> i'm trying to press through trying to press through I'm the serious it's one. It's a care network. <laughs> like, there's plenty of ADD when it's just me here. We oh, had Rob, ridiculous. and it is, man. Two threes, the ones over here trying to pull us back <laughs> in. So let's jump into the care network community. Frame that one up for us. Well, I listened to this podcast, I was probably five or six years ago. Then. Oh, I thought you were talking about ours. Like, oh, yeah. I was I was like, like, fascinated we're me. We're not that old. <laughs> it was actually Radio Lab, which, free plug, great podcast. Um and they, the episode's called The Wood Wide Web. Yeah. And um, this is actually a relatively recent discovery. Like, if you go down hmm. under the surface to six or seven feet down, that the root systems of trees in the forest operate almost exactly like the World Wide Web. And there's nodes, and there's elder trees, and there's younglings, and they share nutrients, and they fight off uh, bacteria and viruses together. It's fascinating. And and I remember listening to that and I just kept thinking, that's the church. That's the church, you know? Like that's what we're supposed to be. Our, our roots are supposed to be intertwined and connected and we're exchanging life and we're fighting viruses together and there's elders. And, they, and it's crazy, even the numbers. It was like the elder trees are connected to about 50 of the younger trees. Mm. It's like, well, that sounds like exactly what we, huh? Interesting. It's, it, yeah. it's really, like is, it. it's, it's a metaphor that keeps giving, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, 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 this yeah. is so amazing, you know? And so for me, it's going back to the idea of, you know, family and family are people whose lives are intertwined, rooted together, and we can hold each other up in the storms of life and nurture each other in the springtime. And the one another commands, there's what, 90 something of them, you know, are, are the, um, the practice, the embodiment of what it looks like to be that family and that mm-hmm. care network. And when you experience that, um, I'm, I'm just thinking dramatic thoughts. Sorry. I mean, I'm getting <laughs> that, a little, getting that, a little emotional. That was yeah. profound. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm just thinking about even today, like the last couple of weeks have been super, super stressful. Mm. And I keep, I have all these things that are cresting and there's part of me that is like, oh, our microchurch family's going to gather tonight. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. But I also now have enough experience to know if I go mm. there, yeah. if I'm with my family, I'm actually going to come away more alive. That's mm-hmm. so I'm going to be like shalomed. Yep. And it happens every yeah. freaking time. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I've got enough experience where the individual in me who wants to be 
I am actually introverted. So like I renew by like I want I want to get alone, go away. Not, but I've learned no, no, go to the table, mm-hmm. be there, and then tell them how you're doing, and watch what happens. You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, man, I just I ache for people who don't have that. That's yeah, one so of good. the things I talk about with you know running it through family again, running everything through the metaphor of family is absolutely you need times away from your family. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I, you know, drop the kids off with Nana and Jesus Papa. started every yeah. morning alone, pretty <laughs> much. Right. Yeah. Come on. Go but, introverts. But there is a, um, I think one of the things that was like, again, a re-paradigming sort of thing for me is to say, okay, I could look at spending time with my quote-unquote neighbors as draining. And if you look at it that way, it will never be a microchurch, an extended spiritual family on mission together in a, in a network of relationships or neighborhood. But if you look at these people as if they're family, then it's like, well, I mean, I spend, I want to spend time with my family. That's part of it. I want to be with Usually. my kids. Yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there are times, but it's like, it, it, I choose to give up things for my family. I choose yeah. to sacrifice for my family. I choose to do things for my family because I love my family. So when I see my neighbor as my family, yes, it's reframing the time that I spend with them. Yeah. And I want to do those things. And again, there's, there is just a level of people are people and we need space sometimes. I'm not saying like go overboard with that. Uh, but I do think it's important part of kind of this uh, this way of living that when you choose to step into it, um, you ask Jesus, "Give me deep love for these people, mm-hmm. so that so that I can do those ninety something one another's well, and not feel like it's a drain." Yeah, and and when and Jesus said, "When we do that, that's when the world will actually believe." Mm. You know, it's not about some yeah, big Herculean good. outreach effort. It's like, no, just be a family in this network around Jesus actually love each other and that is the gospel presence that is the compelling gospel witness and so this like for us it's like well our subdivision probably has hundreds of people in it mm-hmm. it may even be a thousand or fifteen hundred people and there's this like little tiny group of a couple dozen people tiny steeples tiny <laughs> <Sorry>. steeples <laughs> that's gonna keep going <laughs> it will but that's part of the faith of like this tiny seed can actually infect mm. this whole thing and i know like two or three blocks of this it has yeah like in, when people move in they immediately yeah. notice the difference yeah you know so and good. and that's what we're praying for like we don't need some big massive thing where two thousand churches do x and then we all spend a million dollars and go to the sprint center and then we all that's all fine and good but if we actually had those little communities everywhere in our city then we'd have a gospel presence everywhere. And you would be surprised, like, oh, I guess we don't really need to rent the Sprint Center to tell people about Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Or Philip Kaufman. It's the the T-Mobile Center, I think. Oh, sorry. You're right. They got bought. Sorry, they're one of our sponsors. So we just (laughs) I apologize. I was was sitting here a minute ago like, I hope Radio Lab will do a plug for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Were you going to hit something from the Bible? Uh, no, nah, man, I just I wasn't listening to Robert. I just wanted to read, read the Bible. <laughs> you were trying to sound super Redeem spiritual. the time. <laughs> trying to turn the pages. Like, yeah. do you guys hear Corey turning yeah, the pages like, of Scripture? Brian gives me that look. Dude, shut up. I'm not giving you a look. Yeah. I'm like, hold it up higher so people know how righteous you are. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. No, nah, I think uh, I agree, Rob. 
I agree. I concur. Do you I concur, I concur, Doctor? Were you going to say anything Why else? Didn't I concur. I'll probably <laughs> cut that part out, actually. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. All right, let's jump to the last one just in the last few minutes here. That a microchurch is a mission base. And this one's easier to remember because this one's about mission, and you actually used the word mission. <laughs> so. It's kind of cheating, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You used the definition to define the word. Anyway, go ahead. A mission base. A mission base. Yeah, well, how, how, is the, how is the microchurch a mission base, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> so we, when we, you we are did to him what he didn't want to do, <laughs> I know that's what I'm trying to. I'm just waiting for something to happen. So, uh, well, think about in we are in a world at war, are we not? Amen. We are yes. in a world at war. A uh, world at war. Well, bless us, huh? Anonymity. <laughs> Anonymity. <laughs> we are in a world at war, not just physically but spiritually. And in you have forward bases in a war, and so a base allows, uh, hopefully, the, the the soldiers to have a place of strength and supply to go forward and gain a new yeah. stronghold, yeah. and then create another mission base. And then, so it's you think about Normandy on D-Day, they they had to storm the the beaches and they had all of those bunkers and they had to knock them out and keep going up over that mountain. And, uh, and this is a part that, you know, it's deadly serious stuff. I mean, there is flat out evil that is running amok in our world and it is literally destroying people, mind, body, and soul. And we're called to put on the armor of God and fight like wherever there's evil and injustice. It's like, Okay, that's where the gates of hell are. Our job is we literally run to the gates of hell and we kick them open mm-hmm. and we set the prisoners free. Boom. And so, man, if you're doing that solo, you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's right. And if you don't have a platoon, and that's what microchurches are. It's like, hey, we're a platoon. Our mission base is our family here in City View Farms. And, and Lord... Open hearts, open homes, open heavens, and save you farms, Lord. Mm. Like show us new people of peace, Lord. Fill this whole, fill this whole place because there's a lot of jacked up stuff going mm. on in City View Farms, just like there's in every other neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guarantee you, there's there's abuse, there's addiction, there's I mean, just go down the list. It's all there. We all know what's there yeah. behind the doors. And our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not the people. We're fighting for people. And yeah. fighting against evil in all its forms. I was uh, on a call this week um, with with uh, some leaders. I'm trying to be really vague. Rob set me up actually through this connection of uh, some guys who are doing who are longing to see movement in Burma. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just to set this in like a cultural moment here of like you know that the coup coup just happened. It's just like yeah, it's you know it's tense. And so I'm on this call, and my friend Dave Heidenreich, who's going to be on a podcast soon, so that's why I'm, I'm mentioning he works for New Generations and has done a, a ton. Uh, another David. Another Dave. You have to have David as your name to be a movement leader. To DMM guy, yeah. Um, and, and Dave, he, he has trained people around the world. He's been around for a long time doing amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, he's so old. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I want Dave. I'll, I'll send Dave this podcast to listen to before we yeah. record with him. But he told me. I love old Dave. Yeah, good old Dave. But he said it's like so great because movements, the way that we think, and it's this, this mission-based idea, is that we don't retreat. Mm. We run towards crisis. Mm. And then in crisis, we act, it becomes this beautiful 
like seedbed for movement. Mm. Um, and I just love that is a that is a shift, mm. and I think and I love it, and it's true. And so when we think about church, micro church as a mission base, then it kind of becomes countercultural too, because it's like we're going to start doing things that maybe the rest of the world's not going to touch. Uh, we're going to live with a kind of purpose, totally that's different. And a lot of times, I mean, if you start thinking about this as new disciples are, are being made and new churches form, then the, the one of the reasons I think that's embedded, missions embedded in this process is because people often, I mean, it's the same context that they were living life before, but now they're redeemed. They can own that mission because in a sense, they're a product of the mission themselves, you know? And so like that, that, that is really fun. I mean, we've got people in cer- certain networks here uh, that uh, the share the hope network. I talk about a lot. Uh, recently started this like homeless ministry mm-hmm. and they're they're doing this incredible stuff and i'm at a table with like three people and i said hey by the way just out of curiosity raise your hand if you've ever been homeless and they all three raised their hands yeah. and i'm like yeah okay so this ain't just some service project you're doing right i mean they live into yeah. this mission they know what it means to once be like this and now they're like this they know the smells and the you know they know what it means to be like cold all night and you can't ever quite get warm like i mean they mm. know these things and so i just think in that sense mission the new disciple making breeds breeds a different sort of missional christian also mm. like i just think it's 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 it begets, new life begets new life mission begets mission you know and so it's like you don't yes it's a mission base but it's so much more than a service project or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? I was, I was, that was like over here just going over and over into my mind because I think we touched on it briefly a couple of weeks ago at the end of a podcast. And I love to hear your take on this too, Rob. It's just like not confusing. We, we're not saying worship community missional activity, it's worship community mission. Yes. There is a singular mission that we are all on as joining Jesus where he's already at work seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, making new disciples that make new disciples. As we do that, we absolutely will do missional activity. Mm -hmm. Like going to a soup kitchen Mm -hmm. is missional activity. Knowing the names of the people that show up and and being in life with them, knowing their story, which is what you're saying with these guys, where it's like they don't just go hand out meals to homeless people. They know the stories. They weren't satisfied, actually, if I remember the story correctly, of like they were with a group that was just handing out meals, and they were like, we need to sit and be together with these people. And the other group was like, oh, we don't do that. And it's like, well, we're going to start a new group (laughs) that does that. (laughs) That's the origin. And so it is the... uh, Yes. not to con- like again, missional activity is good, and it's often helpful for people to discover exposure. How, how is it that Jesus made them? Yeah, you know, it's like you, you you're getting called into like, um, I'll, I'll, come come with us while we do you know meals for the homeless people. And it's like, I, I can do this. It's great. I just don't have a lot of like passion for it. But then there is this other thing, you know, that you are exposed to. That's like. Wait, that's a that's an issue in this city. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Uh, not not while I'm alive. I'm going after that thing. So it's like, yeah, just that word of exposure of like missional activity helps us be exposed to the broken places, so we can bring the kingdom to those places. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just to remember, there is worship community mission. We have a mission. We do missional activity, and that's kind of a theme that's resonated. Is there's always like the foundational idea, mm-hmm. 
And then there are ways that it is expressed. And we cannot get the ways that it is expressed with mixed up with the foundational idea. Exactly. I think what you guys, what you're saying, and this is so important, is, you know, mission is make disciples. Mission is make the kingdom tangible. So we're talking about, well, if there's homelessness and there's a lack of food, then we're going to provide homes and we're going to provide food because that's what the kingdom looks like. And we're doing it to make disciples of Jesus. And we're not ashamed of that. We're that we're proud of that. That's that's the glory of God. That's the power of God and salvation. But the other thing you're talking about is how you do mission, which is incarnational. Mm-hmm. You know, so mission is kind of like the what and incarnation is the how. And I have this thing that I've been obsessed with. And I don't know if it's where this thing is going. I have this theory now, and I think it's probably right based off of my experience. You think of Jesus' life and how he did it. You know, he drops into Nazareth. He's there 30 years and then about three years in his public ministry. And I think that is probably the right percentage. Like 90% of the time, you're going to be doing mundane things that nobody notices. (laughs) And it, it really is. It's like it's almost invisible. It doesn't feel like it's working. Or making a difference because <laughs> it's it's the simple things of like you know if you're in my neighborhood it's like i'm going to take time at the mailbox to chat with a couple neighbors you know i'm going to take time to help dave move the tv from his truck into his house i'm going to do all yeah. you know i'm going to send that yeah. little text yeah. to say hey i am praying for you about that we are going to go ahead and have a few people over to watch super bowl it's all these things that it, but then about 10 percent of the time it's it is it's signs and wonders and it's power and it's yeah. glorious. It's like my neighbor giving his life to Christ in the garage, and every time I quote a scripture, I'm not kidding, thunder yeah, struck. Yeah. Yeah. And the third time, he looked at me and said, "Is God speaking to me?" And I said, "What do you think?" <laughs> and he starts crying, and I'm like, "This is literally like a story in a book. Yeah. It's actually happening in my garage." But that's ten percent of it, and we need to walk in all of it. But if you don't do the 30 years in Nazareth, I don't think you get to do the three years totally. in power and glory. Yeah. I love that, man. The... I think I think that's a book. Mm. <laughs> so, you guys, you heard it here first. <laughs> no. okay, so, okay, here's another thing in the in American context. Uh, probably everywhere, but I'm an American, so I'm going to talk from my context. Is like, there's so many opinions and thoughts and assumptions about Christians and whatever, right? I just love to confuse people in all the right ways. So it's like, I want to be a group of people that, you know, let me go with this. Brian looks very okay. confused. So I want to, if people have an assumption, success, <laughs> yeah. we're all very confused. I'm out. Thank you for proving my point. So, you know, maybe the assumption of Christians that, you know, they're, they're judgmental or they're hateful or they're whatever. Um, but what they're seeing in front of them is a group of people who are living radically on mission to care and love for people, you know, like, in like that, I love to, I love to confuse people in that way. And so it opens up conversations. So I remember, I mean, I've had multiple conversations with neighbors or friends. Uh, there's one in particular I'm thinking of where having a fire pit in the, the front yard and, and uh, that's like 90% of my, uh, you know, blessed strategy to reach my, you know, to hang out with my neighbors, have fun. And we're, yeah, like uh, around a fire pit. And at this point, it's just me and this one other guy. And like, I start telling stories of what happens in jail, you know, like, cause I was at the, t- at the time I was really going in the jail a lot and, and it was so 
great. Not like (laughs) as an outsider. Thank you. But but you should see it because it's like I don't know what to do with this. Like this person's like I don't fully know, but it's like so intriguing. So you tell stories of God doing really cool stuff, specifically in the margins or people who have been through hard stuff. You get to come alongside, whatever that looks like. Oh man, people lean in and they ask questions. And you, I mean, I, I said the name of Jesus more in that conversation than you know probably ten others that got to an intentional level because it's just like straight up. Why do I do this type of thing? So anyway, I think that is a good thing. Also as a mission base is that it actually, it, it the credibility mm-hmm. from the outsider's perspective is like they're more than just themselves is really significant. Yeah. And, and, and it's not a flash in the pan. Yeah. Like you're not talking about, yeah. Hey, I went on this mission trip for a week. You're telling a story of a yeah. new community that's emerged out of mm-hmm. the gospel being planted in the jail system. And it, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's the story of the early church being rewritten in our time. And it still makes people stop and wonder and catches people's breath. Mm. Um, so yeah, the last piece just made me think of this, you know, Acts two forty two through 47, right? I mean, they were finding favor with all yeah. people. Why? Because of all the things you just said, you know, they're they're, yeah. and that's what you had mentioned earlier. You know, it's like the people in that day are watching this like flip the script thing happen, and they're like, "This is we've never seen anything mm-hmm. like this," and they found favor with people. You know, like mm-hmm. we this is really happening, and my family doesn't look like that. Can I get in on that? Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's uh. You don't have to beg people to come be a part of a microchurch. <laughs> yeah. um, you just demonstrate life in the kingdom. And, I, I mean, just the questions come. Like, wh- why are you different? Yeah. What What is this hope that you have, you know, like Peter talks about? So, yeah, that's, uh, that's us. That's Worship Community Mission. And, again, yeah. uh, hear us say over and over, we're just saying these are our best answers for the underground in this season. We're not trying to cast something across all of America or the world and say, if you're not doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. Yep. Like, God is way more creative than what we have discovered in the underground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we just have this, this thing that he's put on our hearts, and we want to go after it in this city, in this day. And so, um, yeah, this is an invitation to join us. Um, if you're listening to this and you are moved by it, and you're thinking, man, I, like I, I love the what you're saying. I love the stories that you're telling. This is compelling. I'm in Kansas City. How do I become a missionary? We are constantly working on training missionaries to plant themselves among pockets of people, plant the gospel, make disciples, see microchurches emerge. So there's like another little outro that says the same thing. So listen to it again. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. 
If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.